is going on? Ladies and gentlemen, it is your boy, Sean Spencer, one half of that dynamic duo that is Let's Talk Football. And ladies and gentlemen, yes, it is Monday. It is Monday. Don't adjust your screen. We're here because we need to talk. We got some things we need to say. And you see who it is right here with me. You see who it is, my guy. And, and one, one time of the year is the hottest place. Right now, it's probably the nicest place to be in <laughs> the country. As we deal with this shivering 20, 20 degrees up here, my guy, Mr. Will Kramer. What up, Will? Hey, man, we're doing a special special Monday pod, you know, game recap pod. The last time we did this, I believe it was after the Colts game. And we were really yeah. excited. Right. So it kind of it kind of <laughs> it puts a damper on what we're we're talking about today. But you know, always fun. You know, this is one of those games where you just had a lot to get off my chest. So yep. I'm glad we were able to work this into our schedule. Oh, oh, definitely, definitely. And this is definitely one of those games that had I had we talked yesterday, it would have been a whole bunch of expletives and a whole bunch of you know f this f that and the refs and it rigged and yada yada yada. But there we've had a day. <laughs> Cooler heads have prevailed. You know what I mean? And, I mean, look, this is the second ever post-game recap. And, Will, first and foremost, let me just say this. To everybody that's out here, because I got hit up. You saw in the group chats. They yeah. were sitting there, you know, chit-chatting up and saying, hey, what's up, yada, yada, you know, what happened, blah, blah, blah. I did part of this to myself because I bought into the hype. I bought yeah. into it. I mean, hook, line, and sinker. And I was like, look, Will, like six, one and one in the last eight weeks, you know, we're the hot one of the hottest teams. Yada, yada you know. So I, so part of this is, you know, everybody, once you talk a little bit, everybody wants to see, okay, let me let me knock you down a peg. But I mean, I think it was rightfully so that we was excited, Will. Dude, I had all the confidence in the world going into Sunday night. You know, uh, Nick Nick said that thing about, you know, something about, you know, if the commanders win, what this going to do for, uh, you know, some other teams. And I was like, we got you. I yeah. was I was so, like, confident in the in that game. You know, you yeah. saw go scroll across NBC and, like, what, seven out of the eight people thought we right. were going to win, too. You yeah. know, it was like – and we even did our score predictions. We were like, it's not going to be close. We have a yeah. bye week to prepare. We're going to be ready to go. Uh and, and we started off like that way. So I was like, mm-hmm, here we go. Yep. You know, um, so you're right, man. The 24-hour rule is is it was created for a reason. Yeah. And it's important <laughs> because my my range of emotions has changed a lot. You know? Oh, yeah. I, you know, part of the reason we're doing this is because I kept texting you last night. I'm angry. Right. I am angry right now. <laughs> like, I was mad after during the game, after the game. Yeah. I was mad. I woke up today mad. You know, yeah it, yeah, it hasn't been pleasant. <laughs> right. Now, I had a chance to, you know, listen to a couple pods, you know, kind of re-look re into some things and, you know, a little calmer than I was now. Yeah. Not happy, clearly. You're right. But but it was good, man. I mean, it was, it was good. It's good to get some things off our chest. I, I had a little hash out with Jack, too, because him and I were yelling at each other oh, over yeah. text messages. So we finally got on the phone and, and started airing out our grievances. And it was oh, yeah. good. It was good back and forth. Oh, I absolutely believe that. I absolutely believe that. And 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 look, for, for all of you out there that are saying, oh, Sean's hiding. Sean didn't answer this. Sean didn't do that. It's because of that very thing that I did not answer. I know how I am. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do not know, I am a person who has been watching this team since 1988 when Doug Williams was our, our, our quarterback. 
my mother had to stop me from watching the games when I was like 12 or 13 because I would get so frustrated at preseason games that I would sit there and get emotional about it. And she was like, oh, no, no, you're not doing this. For, for them, for that team? And I'm like, you don't understand. They're supposed to be better than this. You know what I mean? Like, so yes. I wasn't hiding. It was just I know myself. I need, a, I need a day because I definitely was on that high horse. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, Washington lost 20 to 12. Um, and, and we've been talking about our initial reaction. Anger was definitely one. Frustration yeah. uh, was one because there were so many missed opportunities that, I mean, yes. we looked really good at times. And you talk about, you know, uh, how, how we did early in the game. We shut down that offense. You know, Saquon had a couple moves and, you know, Daniel Jones had a couple little times where he got a couple yards here and there. But we shut down that offense for a considerable part of the game because they only had, what, two first downs or two um, two third down conversions out of, what, 10? Yeah. You know what I mean? We showed up to play, man. But like we've said, when we first came out, when we first – that yesterday, it was one thing. Today, after listening to something – how do you, th- how do you, how could you, you know, tell people that your emotions maybe have changed a little? Uh, it's probably more just time is, is one of them. And, and honestly, I think when I first started recognizing that the loss, and this is kind of still why I was so angry. I was mad at us. Yep. Okay. I, I was angry at some of the big calls that took some points off the board or affected the game. Um, but I was also mad at, at, at our play. And, and then I started getting a chance to look a little more into and seeing that, yeah, there were some, some calls that, that are irritating and impactful in the game, but even more so there were plays out there that were more impactful. You know, and it gave me a chance. As someone who used to officiate sports, I used to get so angry at the end of games when coaches or fans would, would say to me, you know, you lost the game for us. And I'm like – there were 60 minutes of play and you're going to worry about two there calls, exactly. you know, that type exactly. of stuff. And so I was able to let that type of, you know, mentality kind of, kind of take over and, and really give a chance to take a step back on saying like, I, but I think what I was most frustrated about this whole game is I say that the, the message I sent in the, in the let's talk football thread is we lost this game. Mm-hmm. And that's a simple statement. And there's a lot of deeper meaning behind that. And that's what has me much most frustrated. It's like, Dang, we lost that game. We gave that away. We had a chance to to keep keep this thing moving, and 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 they they made mistakes to prevent that from happening. Well, absolutely, absolutely, and 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 that's that's it. And one of the other parts about that is, you know, you heard in some of the you know the pregame speeches and some of the like stuff where the announcers are talking were about Saquon and Saquon was like, had a real gut check and said, you know, the big players, they need to step up in these type of games and this and that. And you were hearing stories like that. And he had that type of a game, but I felt like we came out flat. I felt like after having the bye week, we should have been amped. This, one of the things that, you know, we listened to, you and I both listened to a bunch of pods today. One of the things that I, I kept kind of hearing is that we, you know, we had some, we had the momentum going to, to keep this thing moving along, but it's like we weren't playing our style. Like we weren't us. Now, certain things they did that kind of stop, you know, what we had going on, but we weren't really jacked up till you have that one drive where, you know, we're, we'd straight five plays just straight drive down the field. And it's like, all right, everybody's kind of with it. 
but it was kind of like even with you know we'll go with offense you know in particular but it was just like what what are we like we almost didn't look like ourselves at certain parts especially in that first half and it's like I, 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 I'm going to be very honest with you. Going to that Lions game, that first half kind of looked similar to that, where we just looked like we couldn't get out of our own way, like our defense was helping us and kind of keeping us relevant, but our offense was just like between the penalties, obviously a strip sack. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau just had his way, but it was just like we didn't even – like everybody's looking at the last part of the game, like you were saying, but we didn't even seem like we came out like uh, until the second half, you know, we didn't seem like in the beginning that we were even like charged for that game. We talk about this game sort of December to remember. I mean, when is the last time you could remember us having a game this impactful coming out of a late buy towards the end of the year? We're on a great run. And I mean, I mean, I can't remember us having this kind of a game, and we we just didn't come out. We didn't come out of the gate ready, and and they got us. See, it's kind of interesting because this is I was actually having this conversation with Jack, and and I feel the the opposite way where we came out playing playing fine. I was okay with it. Like our first drive, we went forty one yards, and mm. we we stalled. And then the next drive, we went forty seven yards and kicked a field goal. So yeah. we were moving the ball. What what I got frustrated about is is the whole thing that that has been kind of the theme of our of our offense this whole year is we can't overcome mistakes. Yep. And so we were getting out there. We were moving the ball. You know, each time we between you know running plays and Brian Robinson starting off hot and yeah. and taking people you know three guys to carry him and pushing piles and a couple throws by Heineke. We were moving the ball. I was like, man, these first two drives, we're doing a really good job of getting all the way to the 40, the 35. Mm-hmm. And then we imploded. Yeah. Between penalties, um, between, you know, delay of games, you know, it, it, that's what was getting me frustrated. We're like, we had them go three plays and out, five plays and out, you mm-hmm. know? And, and so it wasn't until the, the, in the second quarter that they had that big, big drive where they went 97 yards and took, you know, nine and a half minutes off the clock. That's that was a, a a really bad drive that we gave up. But in the first part, the first quarter, the score was only three nothing. But I was like, yeah. we're dominating this game. Right, we're getting them, we're crushing them. So um, there was some new wrinkles that we saw, but I, I was that. enjoying those wrinkles. You know, <laughs> even even though you know Thibodeau was making a big plays in in the beginning, I felt like we were. We were still going. So I was okay with the start, but I also may be in the minority here because you're not the only person that said this to me. Yeah. I look, honestly, I felt like with the running game, I liked it. And and, and you know what? You might have said it best a couple weeks back. We're excellent between the 20s. You between the 20s, and you saw it in this game um yeah on Sunday. You know, we were hitting passes. It wasn't like we were being stopped, like you were saying. Uh, Robinson had a great first start. We were getting the ball out to our running backs, out to our wide receivers. Jahan Dotson got a couple couple receptions. But it was just like once you get to about the 34, which was average, we had a drive that stalled there um, early in the game. Once you get to that part right on the outside of maybe Joey Sly's uh, injury, it's almost like it's it, we kind of get stuck right there. Mm-hmm. Now, we can get in. We can get into the red zone. We had drives that we got down to, what, five-yard line drives that we got down with, definitely within the 20. Yeah, with the, into the one, and we weren't able to, you know, cut, produce points. And that's a, see, that's a problem. But it's just – it's like you said. You wish we could kind of 
have it just completed. You know, like I talked about in, in uh, games before, we have to get an opening drive touchdown. We have to start fast. There were times where we had it where we're driving down the field and it's like, okay, like well, we're getting here, we're getting here. And then, like you said, something happens. And, it, and it's quick. just it's frustrating, yeah, yeah, because you know – with the exception one drive where we had the one penalty that was 10 yards and we still were able to keep going and at least get points. Once you get that one penalty, once you get, you know, a, a delay of game holding, whatever it is, it's like once we get out of sync, it takes us. It's like it's like that old car. You got it. You can't. It's not going to be this. It's going to be. And you're going to keep having to get to it until, I mean, until you go. So yeah. it, it's frustrating. But that, that's that's what we're looking like right now, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I love the, the comment by Ben. Um, they put up there. And that's that's certainly something that we're actually going to talk about once we yes. do a little bit of the game recap. Because we, Sean and I are, just, are kind of looking at this as well. But it mm-hmm. also shows, too, what he's saying. is, and, and it goes to your point of we can't handle adversity on this offense. Yeah. You know, a couple times I would get frustrated that um, if we got tackled on first down and on a handoff play that doesn't go anywhere or we don't get any yardage on first down and we're coming at second and ten, mm-hmm. we had a lot of we had a lot of difficulty getting past that. You know, one of the things if we threw on first down we and it didn't didn't work out, we would come back on second and ten and run the ball and then we get stopped and then we were at third and long and it just we, we couldn't. You know, it just seemed that we started to get a little predictable on offense where it's like if it was second and long, we're going to run the ball because we want to get three or four yards. So we make third down a little bit easier. And it's like you're getting predictable. They're blitzing on second down because of yeah. they did a lot of run blitz. I mean, heck, if Chris Collinsworth is calling out what's happening, why? how, how do our coaches not see what's happening out there to, to make some adjustments? Um, so that that's what was what was getting getting kind of frustrating. But like you said. You know, those first two drives, we start churning out a couple first downs. The crowd's starting to get into it, and I'm sitting there going, here we go. We're yep. going to get in the end zone. We're going to – we're starting off hot again. And this happened in the first game with the Giants too. Well, we got up, I think, 10 nothing in that game. You know, mm-hmm. we, we got off to a really good start, and then and they came back. And um, so that, that's just what, what was kind of frustrating because I felt we start we, – we were starting off with some momentum, I felt, but we yeah. just weren't able to capitalize on any little bit of mistake and then – um, here's a question for you. What did you think about that opening drive mm-hmm. when we got to the the chance? Do you kick um, a, a field goal there when when Ron decided to punt it? Well, what are your thoughts on that? Now, hey, let, I, that's perfect. That's exactly where I was about to go. Let's get into thoughts on our offense because that was something that I remember. I remember to a T. I was thinking about messaging you and being like, I like that. You know what I mean? It was a third down. We didn't get it. And you saw the camera pan to Taylor Heineke. And he's just like, no, I got you. We're staying on the field. Uh-huh. And that's a two-part thing, ladies and gentlemen, because quarterbacks do that all the time. But some coaches are just like, get off the field, like yeah. sending the punt team on. There's a trust that has to happen between the quarterback and his coach. And for Ron Rivera, mind you, it was, what, two yards or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we should have got the play before. That's, that's neither here nor there. I liked that. I did like that, that we yes. went for it and we did. And then the problem I ended up having is that when you, you go for it, that's a great thing to the team, but it also makes you question, especially when with hindsight being 2020 and Joey Sly missing the extra point, it makes you question, do they not trust him 
for I know he kicked he's kicked some 50 yarders and he kicked a 51 yarder, but it makes you question, well, do they not trust him all the way? Like, because if you look at that drive, right after we get the first down, we get like a third and four or something like that, and we ended up getting around the same area, and then we punted it. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a minute, because this guy just I know he missed one a year a week ago, but he's what eight, seven of his last eight 50 yard field goals he's hit. So do you trust him? Do you not trust him? Like, what are we doing? And I just think there needs to be consistency because there's no way. And I know Tressway is a weapon, but there's no way that we should be punting the ball inside the 40. If we have a kicker that can kick a 50 yarder, give him a chance. Don't, what are we? So that, that was very frustrating to me. I mean, what did you think? I think it was the start of the game and Ron was playing conservative and recognizing that that field position was going to matter. Yeah. Um, I, I certainly think I think weather played a factor into it, the colder temperatures. Um, and there there was <coughs> excuse me, a report that Tressway said there was a lot a little bit more wind out there than than what was really visible. Cause they, yeah. you know, on NBC they're like, you know, there's nothing the flags aren't going, so why aren't they kicking it? And apparently they said there was a there was a lot more more wind whipping around the stadium at that time. Um, but I think it really had to do with Ron saying, this is going to be a field position game. Yep. You know, I, I, my defense, you know, I trust my defense to get out there and do it. And that was the goal. And then, of course, the return happened and there was a net of five yards, you know, and it was really bad. So it looked it looked really bad. But I, I think I think there's a difference in the call there between September and December on, on in the evening and not just because of, of records, but I think I think the temperature on the on the of the game might have factored that. And it kind of seemed like Ron mentioned something saying that uh, you know he had seen uh, Joey kicking and, and he wasn't very accurate from fifty on. Now he did mm. hit the other one, but I think it was right. a little bit of a of a conservative effort at the beginning of the game by Ron. Yeah, yeah, and that 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 kind of frustrated me early. Um, thinking about that, another thing that I noticed. Um, and and this is weird me saying this because of the fact that it's worked before. But one thing I've noticed between what our wide receivers end up doing, we, we run a lot of comebacks or curls, and when we catch it or wherever we catch it, we'll stop and retreat a little bit. And and it Jahan, uh, not, well, Jahan has done it, uh, Samuel's done it, and they've done it before, and it's worked. And we've ended up getting and get, creating a little separation and getting the first down. There was two, especially early in the game. I One, it was to uh, Terry McLaurin, where he caught it in a spot where he looked like he caught it and he just fell back. It would have been the first down. But he caught it looking back at the quarterback, actually kind of ran back a little bit to see if he could create momentum and got tackled, which ended up creating – that was the first uh, – that fourth down that created that fourth down. So that yeah, was third down coming into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then you have that one. Then you go to the very next drive where we ended up – it, you know, it we we had kind of gotten behind the chains and it was third and twenty-two, but then you hit up Samuel and Samuel and and you could tell everybody is just something to kind of get us back in field goal range, and you hit up Samuel and what looks like maybe like a four streaks or kind of everybody just kind of going deep, and you hit him up and he immediately kind of he catches it in stride and then immediately stops and looks like he's looking for somebody and then keeps going. Now I don't know that that would have made that huge of a difference. But it was one of those situations where it was kind of like, dude, you caught it in stride. Like, you caught it ready to go. Like, get up field. Like, that little hesitation yeah. to me. And it's something that it's happened. And I've seen it. And, it, it I mean, being – I played a little wide receiver. 
And one of the things they tell you is to catch it and then kind of almost not reverse field, but just kind of make a little loop out just because when you catch it, most times that defender's on a side. So you want to kind of loop, make him kind of come around. So it's, it's what they teach and it, it has worked. I just noticed that early in this game, there was a couple critical third downs that, that it was kind of like, that was the difference. And, and a lot of it was little things like that on offense that it's kind of like, Mm, just like, okay, those are missed small ones, but missed opportunities that we have to come up with. We have to come up with that, you know, so. Right, right. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I saw it really early in the season, Curtis Samuel being one of them where he catches it and kind of stops. Yeah. You know, to figure out where am I going next? And and like against the Jaguars, it worked. He kept getting extra yardage. Right. But right, right. And it, it, it kind of gets frustrated when you're watching. You're like, keep moving. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know. I thought it was interesting. So I, we, um, I listened to a pod that talked about they brought in on offense this in the first half of the year, exactly what we had asked them to, which they started doing some RPO actions. Mm-hmm. And and I, I liked it out there. I thought there was some things, although, you know, there was a time when Heineke made a really big mistake out there. He handed mm-hmm. the ball off to Robinson. He got stuffed. Yep. Yep. And they said had either kept it or – I think it was on one of maybe it was the one that we kicked the field goal on. Apparently, Jahan Dotson was in the slot and it was wide open for a yeah. touchdown. And yeah. w- but what was interesting, it's not I'm not trying to point out a misplay. I'm talking about a concept. You you and I were were wanting to see this. Yeah. And um, I was listening to the the podcast with Logan Thomas t- this afternoon, and what he was saying is you could tell that Logan Paulson. Logan Paulson. I said Logan Thomas. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, That essentially we kind of looked at what Philly did and said, well, Philly did this, so let's try it. But we haven't been practicing it a lot this year. And they said you could tell in the blocking some of the things like Thibodeau made plays because we weren't blocking him. Because, you know, so it's like they brought in a scheme over the bye week because another team had had been successful with it. But that's not really our bread and butter. So. Nathan, are you listening? It's not our identity out there. <laughs> Let's go. And it had some challenges. You know, we had yeah. some challenges with it. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where I went in the first half. And that's what I, what I was leaning towards is that it felt like we weren't – there was things that were working, but we weren't doing that. It was kind of like we were continuing to go on the script, whatever it was that they had. And, it, and you know, once you do that and then you start to get behind, you, you know – we lose a touchdown. Uh, uh, Thibodeau gets the strip sack, and then you have also them scoring, and you're down 14-3. Now it's forcing us to okay, we have to pass. We gotta, you know, we gotta step this thing up. And I felt, I felt like early on, it was just like, get it together. Like, what, what are we doing right now? And and I don't know if you noticed this, but there was a a, a significant portion of the game, especially on a couple of those short yardage situation. Robinson's not on the field, yeah. including that third and three where we run a yes. daggone run to Curtis Samuel. What? Who? Yes. No. What are you calling on that, Scott Turner? So, I, look, I'm with you. I love those boots. I, we were talking about RPO, you know, a week ago. Those are the things I love. But it, to your point, it is like we weren't paying because there was a bunch of times that when Heineke did run, you talk about one of those, the one that he ran out, and then you have uh, Jahan. Uh, cut, coming across on the crosser, and he hits him quick. The one where he comes out and almost scores, t- should have scored the touchdown. Yeah. He, the play was wide open. The yeah. fourth, the what third in, third and one, or 
what was it? I think it was third and one or fourth and one where he comes around the corner and ends up getting like 20 yards or something uh-huh. like that. Mm-hmm. Those plays were there, but it's just like you said, that RPO, it's it's kind of like it's always it's kind of, it was almost if like Kirk Cousins was running it. It's yeah. like everybody knows you're handing it off, and that's just what I'm gonna do. Right. And it's it's like, but you could you you could definitely be effective, especially with how hard Kayvon Thibodeau was uh, was crashing. That yeah, yes. and those those are things that repetition and knowing that stuff. So that's what I got upset because we went away from what we do best. Right. And, and it frustrated them. Well, I, I definitely think so. And I'm, I'm trying to stay in the first half because there's something, but, but there's things in the second half that follow the same with it, same yeah. line of thinking here where we, we do like getting Curtis Samuel the ball and letting him run the ball. But four to five times a game when they're not working is too much. And like you said, on third and three, you can do it one time. You know, but he better get it. But on third and three, you definitely look back and say, man, we got Brian Robinson on the team. We just gave the ball to a guy who's 190 pounds and asked him to run up the middle. Like, right. That, how does that make sense? You know, and, and, and you know, the, we could not run with our wide receivers at all on uh, last night. And so I felt we, we, we kept going back to that well. And that well was 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 too run was run dry. And we got away from Brian Robinson. He had over seven yards of carry. Yeah. And then the second half, he didn't he didn't run the ball much. You know, now I know we had a great first drive, but then we weren't running the ball much at all. We like basically just got away from the run. And that's seems to be what our what our bread and butter is. Um, I also <coughs> kind of being critical of the offense. I don't know what's happened with our tight ends this year, but they are of absolutely no help um, in the passing game. And to the point where our offensive line is so bad, I almost think we need to like scrap it. Like Mm -hmm. John Bates needs to be on the field every single play because John Bates needs to, we need an extra blocker in there. And on that Thibodeau play, we, we had an empty set again, just like we did in overtime when he made this similar play, this time, you know, this time he got the ball out. He picked up the ball. And I'm hearing Ron was complaining to Taylor about holding on to the ball a little bit. So I haven't watched the play too much. Hmm. But my concern is the fact that like, we knew their pass rush was a problem. And, and, and you just you just had a really nice play, but now you're at second and 18. You're inside mm-hmm. your 10. Is this the time to go empty set? Yeah, right. thank you. Thank you. And that 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 had me baffled. Like that had me literally yelling at the screen. Like we would have times where we're coming out and maybe an eye or maybe with the running back in the backfield and we're handing it off and we're going up the gut and it's, and it's we're neutralizing Kayvon Thibodeau or at least running in a way that he's not able to make the play. And then if anything happens, penalty, whatever, we're all of a sudden in like five wide as if we, you know what I mean? Like we're this air raid offense, like we can do this. And it's right. like, wait a minute, like wh- what? It doesn't make sense. And when I think about Kayvon Thibodeau, like shout out to him. He had a, he had a game. He had a big game. But a lot of that A was on us because if you look at a lot of those, Charles Leno and 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 uh, who was at Norwell next to him, they're not making the calls. There was one, the one where it was the strip sack. You see Leno. He's or no, not that one. Not the one where number twenty seven comes in uh, gets the gets the uh, the free hit on him. Yeah. You see Leno. He's got. Thibodeau in front. He's got Landon Collins coming into that right gap. And he says, Norwell, he's looking to do boom. Nobody sees the corner, which is fine. 
Thibodeau falls down immediately. So you have the corner coming who's the most dangerous threat. Norwell can get, you know, Thibodeau because Collins also falls down. Leno, for the life of me, I don't understand what he did. He just stand, stood there like, okay, let me let me see if I can get both. Well, obviously, the corner just runs around him and gets the sack. Look, I haven't played a lick of offensive line, but one thing I do know playing running back is when you have three or four blitzers, the number one rule is get the most dangerous guy. I understand Thibodeau was the most dangerous guy for most of the game on that particular play. Looking right in front, Thibodeau falls down. You got to get the corner. But it's little things like that. It's the communication. It's guys aren't sitting here, hey, what's up? What's going on? And it's frustrating. And it goes back to the running game because, you know, Robinson, he had a great game. And you talk about that middle part of that game where he's not really getting much touches. He only had 21 yards. You know, we shouted him out over the last couple of weeks about how he was running the ball and how when Robinson runs well, Gibson is the great, you know, second piece to that puzzle. And it goes right into this. Nick said, are you guys happy with the two-back system? Yes, if we run both backs. Right. If we're running Robinson and we're running um, Gibson, yes. And it's effective. It's proven to be effective. But when we're just running Robinson and then we really don't, like you said, he had a great start and he was great down the stretch, but there was a portion of the game where they went away from him. And it's like, you can't. we can't afford to do that. That is our, back to Nate, our identity, like, yeah, that's yeah. what we have to do. So it, it's just it's frustrating, man. But what do you think about this one, the two back system? Uh, I'm I'm definitely fine with it. I mean, like you said, it's. Uh, I mean, I still think Robinson should be getting the bulk of the carriers yeah. carries out there. Um, but I I think it's it's important. I mean, obviously in today's game, it's important to have two guys who can run it. But I'm I'm totally fine with that because they do have a little bit of a different run style, but then they can also mesh the same too, where they both like to run, you know, inside and run hard. And so I I like it. I don't I don't know if I need it for multiple years here, but I think it works with the idea that our goal is to have ball control to keep yeah. the def- our defense off the field and keep them fresh. You know, we don't like to rotate our defensive linemen out. So having two backs and constantly pounding, you're letting your defense sit and you're taking the pressure off, off Heineke. Um, so, uh, so I'm okay with it. Um, you know, kind of like what we were, we were talking about there, you know, you're talking about, you know, the alignments and when we're going empty sets, think about it from an offensive standpoint. What do they always say? If you notice that um, a lot, your best wide receiver has man coverage, just throw it up to him. Just give him a chance. Give him a shot. We're mm-hmm. kind of doing the same thing on the flip side. If you're going empty set inside the 10, you're letting the defensive end say, I'm blitzing. I'm going to go get yeah. this guy. You know, yeah. because there's no help. There's no protection. No. Now, I know some of that is designed to have Heineken get the ball out quicker. They like to do that on third down because they want him to make a quick decision and go because he knows where the players are supposed to be. Mm. But I still just like the scheme of that. It's just like mm-hmm. that's not the that that's not the time because of the fact that this happened two weeks ago. Yeah. Thibodeau got the best of Leno two weeks ago. If it was exactly. a brand new opponent, maybe maybe things change. But you just played these guys and saw that he can he can get the best of your left tackle. Yeah. So we need to you know why don't we take that that tight end who drops balls anywhere out there, Logan Thomas, and let's just let you block because we need your, your help blocking anyway. You know. Well, and that's the thing that that was my thought. One of the things I was thinking coming off of the first game was we need to call Joe Gibbs and we need to say, hey, Joe, what did you do? With Giants linebacker wreaking havoc on your offense. 
Oh, you created a new office, a single back, where you put a tight end over there, Donnie Warren, and to chip him to slow him down. Right. It's, let's do that. Let's yeah. do – if we cannot protect him because for some un- unknown reason we're running a five wide receiver set, when, when and do we have five active wide receivers that are threats? We, should never, we shouldn't even have four on the field. Right. So it's kind of like I don't know why you're doing that, but at the, it's still like, look, man – you got to slow him down. This is, I mean, look, no disrespect to that D-line, because that D-line, <laughs> you got Leonard Williams. You got, you know, these guys, uh, Dexter Lawrence. You got some studs on that D-line. But at the same time, this guy has been wreaking havoc over here. That's where you make the adjustment. That's yeah. where you send somebody to chip him. You send somebody just to sit there just to make him go. Because if you notice, late in the game, Thibodeau was exhausted. Yes. He was tired. So it wouldn't have taken that much. To just you know get quick chip, quick chip, so then he's not rushing the quarter, and it just it created too many issues for that offense. Um, but I, I do think we have to go ahead, and we're going to expound on this a little bit later. But we got I, talk I got about, a question for you about the offense. Oh yeah, I was going to say about I was going to talk about our quarterback. Okay, that's where I was going with this. So yeah, okay, go yeah, ahead. yeah. No, no, I was going to say. I mean, look, you know, he gave up two crucial fumbles. You know, now, mind you, the second one or the first one, he got blown up and, you know, he didn't see it coming. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that type of thing happens. But still, even on the second one, if you look at that play, you know, he there was a couple of times when he scrambled and and he got sacked on a couple of these or a couple of times he scrambled. And if you look at the play that he made that made him famous in the Tampa Bay game where he kind of he, you know, kind of chops his feet, looks around finds a little crease and gets out there and goes. There were certain times out there when it looked like that's what he resorted to. He was like, okay, nobody's okay. Here it comes. How do I get out of here? And he was going, even on the one play where he missed the end zone. If he runs, if when he, he looked like he was trying to dive to the pylon and do his signature move. Mm-hmm. But if you look like it, he had dots in there. He could have just had dots and shield him and cut yes. off of that. Yes. You know what I mean? It's one of those situations where it was like, you went, to go to that corner and and Kayvon Thibodeau, he's seen the clips. He went right to that corner and <laughs> shut you down. And, and that, that is so huge because we're going to talk about penalties later, but you get in right there. We're not even mentioning some of the, you know, that the, the um, illegal formation or the whatever on uh, Terry McLaurin, Correct. you know, you're not even worried about the no PI call on Samuels later in the game because he had the opportunity to get in, but he, it's just iffy with him. He's just certain things. You're just like, I'd be smarter than that. Like even on the play that he fumbled the second time, he he was just really quick to boop 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 and move. And if he sat for a second, the way that the D line and Thibodeau kind of blasted past him, he could have easily skated to the right. Now in hindsight, obviously, the quick pace. You're going, you're going, and it's just you can't. You're not thinking about that type of thing. And it was a it was a fluke fumbled he was going down and it got tipped right at the very bottom as he's going down but if you it's just little things like that where you're sitting here and you're like all right keep your composure okay let's go this way let's let's try this and it was like it felt like he was too he was trying to run too quickly and it was frustrating it was frustrating i got a concept or question for you yeah what if the reason why we have not been an rpo team is because our quarterback is not comfortable and fluid Hmm. running an rpo concept that he's not like a, that. a fluid yeah. runner like Jalen Hurts is to run those mm-hmm. plays. 
right. and that he's a lot more erratic and herky jerky in, in in and that he does not consider himself a a quarterback that can run. Yeah. He's a quarterback that can get out of pressure. Right. Do you see what right. I'm saying? And because yeah. he he was a little little um, you know, um careless with the ball on last night you know with that fumble it's like you know that's where i do need to look at things a little bit more but it's like sometimes fumbles happen you know it's like we we you know we criticize you know the players for letting happen for it for you know for for losing the ball but i feel like sometimes happen the fumbles just happen in the course of the game they get punched out you know whatever but that one down in, in the in the red zone he was being careless with the ball you know, right. he was trying to make a play, trying to do too much, you know, right. no different than kind of when they say, don't do too much with your arm, let, let the play, you know, kind of do a little bit too much. He threw for some, some yardage. All right. Yeah. He had 17 completions and 249 yards and he had, had three deep throws. What mm-hmm. did you think of those, of, of us opening up our offense with him and throwing deep? First and foremost, I didn't think, especially that one to Jahan, which was like 61 yards, I didn't think he had that type of arm. I didn't think he – a lot of his balls had been dying. And I, I go back to the uh, the one against the Colts where it looked like it was going far and then, you know, Terry had to slow down. And with that one, I mean, I thought that was nice. Now, later on in the game, he has Dotson going down the sidelines on that final drive, and he kind of throws it over the defender but throws it short. And it looked like Dotson had some room, or, or not Dotson, uh, Curtis Samuel had some room up the sidelines. Where he had a tiptoe to catch. Right. Yeah. Where if he, it looked like had he led him, that would have been, you know, he would have actually kind of got him to get more yards and, and you know, it would have been nicer. But look, it, that was, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to act like I wasn't nervous on that one. Because sure. I was sitting here like, oh, what is he doing? But he had a couple of those that I was like, okay. Okay, let's challenge the defense. I like this. I yes. like that you're doing it. Um, and, and it's always better when it works. <laughs> Say that. But no, I yeah, it wasn't it was nerve-wracking to see, but I mean that pass, it did it did the damage. But these are the things we can do between the between the twenties. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, what did you think? Because I love that they opened that up and I love that it was successful. But I'm always gonna be holding my breath whenever he throws it deep. Oh that's, that's, that's just him. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Well, I thought it was kind of so you you mentioned a little bit ago about, you know, their the Giants pass rush and their D line. So essentially their strength on their defense is just like our strength. It's their mm-hmm. D line. Their their front four is as formidable as our front four is. Absolutely. You know, their two tackles, um, Dexter Lawrence and and Leonard Williams make plays. Their their outside guy, we've talked about Thibodeau, but now we talk about the dude. I think he came from from Georgia, OG Laurie. Oh um, yeah, Delari, you know, yeah. You know, he he made plays in the first game. So they've got pass rush. So I think, you know, when we came out of out of halftime, the idea was let's throw the ball. You know, yeah. let's 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 go after their secondary because they're weak. And we really went after them with three deep throws. And I like that we were trying and attempting to two things, open up our offense a little bit, but go after one of their weaknesses. Um you know, I, but I think didn't both two of the throws go to, go to your, your guy, Deami Brown? That's I'm right. Sure. That's you right. Know, so, maybe, hey, we're getting him a little more action. I'd like him to come up with a catch or two, you know, because it's, yeah. it's not like Jahan's catch was like perfectly in stride either. I mean, he went and got it. So, you know, you can tell that, that Heineke's not 
not the best deep ball throwers, the kindest yeah. way I can put it. But I do like I did like the fact that we tried to open it up a little bit and and the times that we did it. Uh, we ran a flea flicker on second and three. Yeah. Like those are the times you can take shots because you have the ability to then, you know, <laughs> come back. But I, I do think we just need to be careful with it. Because remember, oh, yeah. in that game against Dallas, on the, was, it, was it the first play of our possession? We went deep in Dallas and Diggs picked it off. You know what I mean? So we do right. need to be careful where and where are we picking our, our, our targets and our spots. And are we going after someone who's not as accomplished of a, of a DB back there? But I, I did like that because that's one of my biggest frustrations of this offense. Like we said, oh, man, it's second and 18. We don't have that. Right. We don't have the ability right. to throw it 20 yards, you know, right. and they were they were making efforts. So I like that they that they tried to open things up last night and, and, and go deep. Yeah. Now, my my only issue with that flea flicker, because I was like, oh, man, we're in a flea flicker. Like, can we throw it to a Jahan Dotson or somebody like that? Like, who, I can't remember. who Didn't we throw it to uh, your boy? With Diami. Yeah. We yeah. Did. Yeah. Uh, can we throw it to Jahan and McLaurin? Like, and my boy, you know, I'm still kind of iffy on him. Him, man did like I absolutely liked that on that one drive we had like the five straight plays or just get double digit yards where Diami had that reverse and we totally caught them off guard good give him the ball let's get him going and things like that but Diami to me man if, if we're gonna make a play like that I need I need one of the big guys I need one of the studs I need one of the guys that's gonna make a big play shout out to Diami let's give him a chance but in my opinion I was sitting there like uh, well, so now I've got to come back to that yeah. where I liked it because it is well known that Cam Sims and Deami Brown are some of our best running, I mean, blocking receivers. Yeah. All right. And your yeah. guy can run. And yeah. so my concern was, and you started noticing this um, last night when they came on the field, we're running the ball. It's yeah. like when Logan Paulson came on the field when he played for for the Redskins. And it's like, okay, we're running the ball here. Here we go. You know, And so my concern is we were starting to get a little predictable. And we hit them with a deep threat using one of our blocking receivers. Right. So I, I was actually okay with going after because, honestly, right now that's about all I think he can do besides blocking, like, is is, is run, run past people because he's got some speed. So I, right. I didn't mind targeting him. And I was like, all right, they're getting him in the mix a little bit. Um, I was pretty angry, though, when he tripped over his feet on that ball in the end zone, though, because I thought that was a catchable pass. Like I actually thought Heineke put that in a place where a receiver can make the play and, and dude tripped over his feet. And so I yelled at you and I yelled at Shantae. <laughs> See, that I'm telling you, still he still has things he's got to prove to me. That's just my thing. It gets me, man. But I, I, like I said, I was glad that he was able to. To run it earlier in the game but look let's go ahead and let's move on to the yeah. defense will like let's give our thoughts on the defense because on what i honestly especially early in the game and towards the end our defense was the thing that kept us in this game and it didn't look like it necessarily with maybe some of the stats but it, maybe it did on their side because we held daniel jones to under 200 yards Outside of you know Saquon, he's going to get what he gets. He we still held him to under a hundred yards. They had who Richie James and I think it was uh, who was the other guy uh, Isaiah Hodgins that were mm-hmm. making completions. You know Slayton was getting a couple, but it really wasn't anything 
dangerous. One of the reasons why I was very mad because I was like, dude, these guys are garbage. Like we should yes. be shutting this crap down. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it was just ridiculous. And and for, for the most part, we did. We held them to two of 10 on third down, which is great. You know, third down is my number. Like I, I love that. And, and we were shutting them down, but there was situational times where it was like they get like one random first down, but it was on later, later drive in the game when we needed to shut them down. And they're starting to drain clock. And, and it's just like, I don't want to blame the defense because they play tough throughout the game. Um, and our offense kind of put them in that situation. But at the same time, there were times where I was like, dude, just get us off the field. I know it, it, we're putting too much on you, but just get us off the field. You know what I mean? And, and then at, towards the end, I was like, man, all right, y'all going to have to win this thing for us. You know, we're going to need – because one of the things that didn't happen, we didn't, we our offense gave up two turnovers. Our defense did not have any takeaways. We were able to get the ball out of them. and We, we were a better team, and it just – but I'm, I'm going to let you talk because they did some things that I thought – and maybe you'll, you'll hit on this. They did some things that I thought was key, especially late in the game once they really started feeding Saquon and you started seeing how they were blocking us, and it's like this is what Atlanta did. This is where they were doing the research on us, even yeah. though they didn't have the time that we had off. And it was, and it felt like we weren't necessarily doing all the research because it was like they watched that game, they watched what we've done, and they're just like, okay, this is how we're attacking. Right, so. right. So I think it's it's like a nuanced answer there because if you look at their defense, there's a couple positives we can talk about. Um, they they did prevent Daniel Jones from running, and they said they, they their game plan was you're not going to beat us running. So we're, we're going to make you throw it to beat us. And they played, you know, a soft cover, you know, shell defense. To And, they, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of pass rush because we said, right. we are going to keep you contained. We're going to keep you in here and make you throw the ball. All right. They only gave up 13 points, yeah. you know. So that's winnable defense. All right. But then it's also, like you said, they also didn't make plays. Yeah. All right. And, you know, any game-changing plays the way the Giants defense did, you know, where was our our, our play, a strip sack from our defensive line? And and now I come, I'm going to kind of go towards what the Giants did. And this is kind of impressive as to as to what they they did when you talked about making adjustments, finding stuff on 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 um, on film. So on the Giants had two big drives. All game on us, two big drives. But you yeah. you hear that and you're like, and then we probably, you know, they probably didn't do much. But one of them was 97 yards. The, it was third and nine, and they called a pass play. They didn't get it. Then it was fourth and nine from about their 35, their 40, yep. and yep. they said we're going for it. So clearly, they found something in our coverage that they said we're not scared of this, right? And they converted on fourth and nine. And who was converting those plays? You said it. Who in the heck is Richie James and Isaiah Hodges out there? I don't know. Like that's that was frustrating to me to see the, those guys make big plays. They didn't kill us in the air. 160 yards by Daniel Jones was not, you know, they controlled him, but his receivers made impactful catches. Yep. They were they were first down catches to move the chains. Kind of, I've talked about what what our passing game needs to be. I mean, the Giants and Commanders are a very much mirror image of each other in, in how we play, you know. Um, so so that was frustrating. And then to what you talked about with Atlanta, we needed a stop on defense. We mm -hmm. needed the ball back. 
It's only 17 to 12. You get us the ball. We had just been down at the five-yard line. Give us the ball back, and we're going to score a touchdown and win this game. We've got momentum. And they took their two interior – they took four offensive linemen and blocked our two defensive tackles, and Saquon ran up the gut three times in a row for 48 yards to get him into field goal range. So Mm -hmm. I want to kind of give some some hats off to the Giants coaches. Like Mm -hmm. Brian Dable has put together – you know, him and his staff are are pretty good – they changed their offensive game plan against us. Remember when Corey was on here talking about how much they run uh, play action and boots? Mm-hmm. What those are, those are slow developing plays that gives you a pass rush chance to get there. And that happened. Right. We had five sacks two weeks ago. And so they said, forget this. Daniel, you're throwing the ball on three-step drops. They yeah. didn't let our pass rush become a part of the game. The yeah. other thing I thought they did, which was really interesting, was they used hey, 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 check out this concept. They used their tight ends to help, not on the exterior, on the interior to help chip. Yeah. So they yeah. would let Deron Payne, oh, you want to run, you want to blow past our guard? Go ahead. You're, we're going to let you blow past the guard. The, the tight end's going to chip you off, and Saquon's going to run right, right behind that into the hole that you, mm-hmm. that you just left. So they yep. kind of exploited some of the things that we like to do. Like you said, film yeah. study. So I really felt like the, the Giants had a really good game plan. While they only it only worked on two drives, two yeah. of like nine drives, which means it makes you think, well, our defense played better. But on two very big drives, they got what they needed and got 10 points out of it, which was more than enough for them to win the game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really frustrating. And I, and I honestly, I don't think any play more epitomizes that than a play that actually is probably not as huge in the game but ended up being a, a, a gigantic uh, field goal. So it, there was something like we had pushed them back. Uh, it was like a third and uh, I think about third and five or something. And they got like some kind of penalty, like a holding penalty. And they basically pushed them back to third and 15 and knocked them out of field goal range. So they ended up going for it. And we, we sat, you know, it was third down. So we, we sat all of our guys back in the shell that you talked about and basically just rushed forward. Daniel Jones ended up, ends up scrambling out and getting probably about eight or nine of those yards back. But more importantly, he got them in field goal range. They ended up hitting the field goal, making it 17, um, 17 to, uh, to nine, as opposed to 14 to nine. And that right there are the little tiny things that we just we can't get over. Like Those are stops. He should never have gotten that that amount of yards on us. And I understand him who he is in that threat, but we had him contained. And then all of a sudden he shoots through. So that to me was just like though it's those little ones right there that are giving them the just the added needed thing. Because like you were saying, they only had 13 points on offense, which just includes those two field goals. We we shut them down com- almost completely, but it was to the point impactful plays the timing of the little yes. plays that they made we look at it richie james only had what four receptions i think hodges had four receptions himself but it was when they had the receptions mm-hmm. ricky richie james had one on, on the third and nine that you, you know the third and long you talked about the fourth down their only fourth down conversion he was the one who catch it and get it and it's these things like we can't we sat there and held you know jettas and hawkinson you know justin jefferson and hawkinson some of those guys for you know, three quarters, we were we were containing them, and you're we sitting here telling me these jokers are coming in hitting you right. cru- like crucial time. It's just 
we are better than that. Yes. And those are the things that are where it's like, yes, and the overall, you know, we shut them down and we're able to make, you know, big plays. But it's like, it's the times when you have to get off the field. We look, we know we need to maximize the amount of offensive possessions we have because it's going, sometimes it's going to take a number of possessions to get it, you know, get it done. So with, with that being said, man, you, you got to, your defense has got to get it off the field. And I know it's a lot to ask because the defense is already sitting here doing so much for us. Uh, but you know, little things like that to me are just like, Oh, come yeah. on guys. Come yeah. on. So, but I mean, to your point, they had the game plan. They doubled up on the inside guys. They chipped them. They shut down the real threat and almost made uh, sweat not an issue by letting him rush up field and then, you know, cutting inside. And and one of the things that I noticed is we talked about coming into this year and, and a lot last year with Chase Young and those lanes and how we have to play complementary defense on those D-line. There's a lot of times when you saw maybe sweat or one was James Smith-Williams come up you know, shoot up past this guy, but then open a lane for Daniel Jones to then come back and run through. So it's little things like that. Like Nathan said, little plays make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating. And 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 for this defense that's been playing so well, those are the ones where it's like, okay, that's that little, little bit that makes us, that, that keeps us at good and makes us not elite. Right. You know what right. I mean? So but I, I do feel like, I mean, I feel like we're – I don't want to over, like, nitpick the defense because yeah. if you give up 13 points, you're in a position to win. And I feel like, well, yeah, we, we had some – you know, the timing of the plays was was what was more like the dagger as opposed to the, right. the overall, you know. Um, but I feel like the defense played well enough to give us a chance to win. I'm less concerned about the defense and also knowing that we really could use Benjamin St. Juice back. You know, we yes. don't have him. Whereas, like, I feel like the offense is the one that we really can kind of nitpick and yeah. talk about. And and, and we, we see oh, obvious things to make make changes out there as well. Because, like, I get overall, I feel like our defense gave it, put us in position to win. Right, right. Before before we get to this, also, you got Benjamin St. Juice. Also, I you know, I know we haven't played with Chase all year. But the fact that there was a lot of commotion, a lot of those videos came out with, oh, look, Chase is dancing. He looks good on on that leg. And there's a lot of potential hype that could this be the game he comes back, a big rivalry divisional game against the Giants. And then all of a sudden, right before kickoff, Chase most likely will not play today. Between that and Benjamin St. Juice, those are two big parts of the defense that even if they might not be dominating – they still are our parts that get the defense energized on top of the fact that a lot of people, and I have seen posts in Redskins Washington uh, groups this week. I mean, j- just last night on, should we just shut it down for chase? Because it's getting to the point now where it's like, we we're, we're fine playing without you, but if you're going to continue, are you coming? Are you not like what's going on? And I think those are the type of things that are kind of like, you know, we're relying on you. You are our guy. If not for anything else, just for the energy on the field. And this, this is this is the game. This is one of those games. Kayvon Thibodeau is a prime example. Michael Parsons in the first game, prime example. They rely on their guy at a certain time to make a play, even if it's not the huge play. It's him being on the field and the attention that he's that he garners from just being out there. That's the type of difference that might have helped. And, and again, nitpicky. But at the same time, this I said this last week, 
as in that was one of the things that I was most frustrated about is that, you know, we've been, this is, this is going on a year and a half. You know what I mean? And, and when all things, when it's all said and done, it could be about two years before we actually get him back on the field. And it really kind of frustrates me because it's like, look, bro, I I get the injury. I get the, the rehab and all the time, but if what's going on, if they're saying you're good and everybody's saying you're good, but you not, you aren't good in your head. What what do we need to do to either say yay or nay? Because I don't want to keep having to do this with you before each game. Well, I, I, it's it's a really interesting dilemma and situation because if he's been medically cleared, mm-hmm. but he's not feeling comfortable out there, I'll just pose this: Is he ever going to feel comfortable out there? Mm, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Has is, is there something going on in that knee that's always going to affect him? Because remember, right. we're talking, this was not just a simple ACL tear that Logan Thomas had, and he's back for, for in week two. You know, tears it in December and is playing again in September. You know, there was a lot more to this. You know, is there way more to this and his recovery and his ability afterwards than what anybody's getting a chance to know? They said – James Andrews was there and checked him out again and said, you're good. You're good. You know, or is this just one of those things where they talk about the Saquon Barkley, you know, he came back last year, but he only had about 500 yards. He said his knee didn't feel that great. They talk about Brian Robinson says, you know, you know, the first couple of games, he really does his knee hurt during while playing. He was going to play, but his knee hurt, you know, and if if that's one of these things where it's just going to take some growing pains, um, then you also got to look at if he is active, but he's only playing 10, 12 games. What is who's sitting because of that? Because someone's got to be inactive. You know, are we taking out an FA Obata? Are we taking out a Daniel Wise, a part of the rotation? And are we better off having them being a part of a rotation of a team that is not playing too bad without him? However, right. I will say this like, who, who makes more, who makes more impactful plays? Well, this is what we don't really know. Uh, uh, Chase Young at 80% or a James Smith-Williams out there or an F.A. Abada? Right. Who Who is the more impactful player on a, on a per-down situation? You know? And so is it does it still continue <laughs> to make sense and just take this week by week and say, you know, let's ra- ramp it up? Because actually on Friday, the reporters knew mm, he ain't playing. That he yeah. was progressing and then he was out. The St. Juice was the one that caught him off guard. They thought he practiced enough on Friday, but they kind of knew on Saturday, you know, that uh, Chase is probably not going. He he went off to the side field again, which they obviously they keep talking. About. It's here, so that's mm-hmm. it's just it's a. I think it's a it's a much more more deeper issue than than we really have an idea on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Nathan said, "With all due res- will, with all due respect, they have resources that can help get through these moments." Chase has to speak up with what he has to do. I need a little more. I don't really understand that. I guess yeah. I might need a little more clarification. Like, what what type of resources? I mean, is he talking about uh, you know pain pain mediation? Is he talking about mental you know discussions with Chase to work on it? Because Ron keeps saying it's about him feeling comfortable, planting, and going. And that it's it sounds like what they put out in public is Chase is the one who's eventually saying, I, I just I don't have it. Right. 
Right. And that's the thing. If they're leaving it up to him, then that's on him. And and again, I haven't I haven't torn an ACL, I've torn a PCL. So it's it you as from a running back standpoint, you never stop thinking about it. There's not a day that I go that goes by right. that I don't walk and think about it. Yeah. You know, it's always in your head. And then if we're talking about play, playing with a brace or potentially playing free, those are two entirely different things. Because number one, with a brace, you have more confidence in the protection of, of the injury. But there's a considerable difference because it's not as free because you have something kind of locking it in place. And so you don't have the ability to maybe move maybe with the quickness that you did before, or just as soon as you plant, you're already thinking about it and you just think about this for a second, but you're like, okay, I got this here, but you're not instinct. You're not instinctual. You're not hitting it with that. And then on the flip side, when it comes to not playing with the brace, it's Russian roulette. Uh, you know what I mean? And I, you know, this is, this is different for me. I had guys diving at my knees all the time as a running back. Yeah. He doesn't have that as much, but he's still going to have some guys try to chip him or maybe chop him or something like that. If he's in his head thinking about just that one time that it could happen, he's already defeated. He's already out of it. And, and it's, it is psyche. Now, Nathan said sports psychologist. Yeah. But how much credit are we giving sports psychologists? Because if it's, if, if it's a mental fix, Carson Wentz, prime example, if it's a mind, then there's nothing much anybody else can sue but God himself that has to fix what's up here. Because it's just it's just not the same, especially once you've gone through the rehab and you know where you were, where you never thought about it at all, to the point where now that's all that's on your mind. All you can think about is, is moving with that because it's not a football injury. It's not something that once you're off the field, it's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm good. No, this is a 100% all-the-time injury. So everywhere you walk, you're thinking about it. Anytime something goes on where there's like a puddle or something, that's that that we go back to that footage of Alex Smith with his family, you know, dousing him with water when it was like, oh, I'm glad, you know, glad you're back. And my first thought is, dude, are you kidding me? He's going to slip and mess in. We're we're done. We're back to ground zero. So like, it's never some, it's, it's never something you stop thinking about. It's, it's, I mean, you literally always have it on your mind and the play at the level that he played at, you know what I mean? It, it's just it's not as easy as go to this person, go to that person. Well, as I say, we gotta be careful that we're not just like rubber stamping. See the psychologist, not get out there and play. Well, you right. Know? right, yeah. And I think there's the it's you know he was the number two overall pick for a reason, and this is different than than just a Montez Sweat. Let's be honest. Let's just, let's compare the two players. There's a difference between the two and saying like you let him take his time. Because he is, he can be, he's shown that he can be a difference maker, a game-changing wrecking ball. So you got to let him take his time. And if next week in San Francisco is the week he says he's good to go, then you play him. If the week after that is against Cleveland at home, is is when he says he's ready to go, then you play him. You know, recognizing that you're, you're getting a little bit out of 2022, but you're thinking about 2023. Yeah. Now, Nate, I want you to reread, reread what you said because you're you're comparing basketball to football. Clay Thompson has, does not have anybody actively going at his at the place that he got hurt. So even if like you're literally running up and down the court in basketball, 
you might have somebody freak, you know, kind of fall into your ankle or something like that, that could cause an issue, but it's not most likely you can go through a whole game with barely contacting anybody in football, especially at his position. The offensive line is, is one part of the rules. One of the things that you're taught is, you know, chop him, chop, cut him down. So he can't deflect the pass. Not can, you know, make sure that he's not able to be 100% high, push him down. You know, and they're some sometimes deliberately directly going right to the problem area. It's it's just more physical. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, I I get what you're saying with the mental aspect, but again, mentally, there's mentally, a physicality difference in between the two right. games that makes it. It's not exactly an apples to apples comparison. You know, right. obviously, yeah, regardless, any sports injuries and and getting your ability back to trust that, you know, is is going to take time. It's going to take some right. some licks before you can get there. All right, should we talk officiating? Should we go do down it, that rabbit hole? We, we have to do it. We have to absolutely have to do it, ladies and gentlemen. We're we are moving on because uh, we want to ask this question. There's been a lot of conversation over the last 24 hours about this game being all about certain penalties that potentially cost us the game. Uh, Will let's let's go into this because. There were some penalties that, you know, even the league said, yeah, we kind of missed on that one. But then there was also some penalties that could have adversely affected the game that, you know, is kind of like, ooh, thank goodness they did miss those penalties. So there's there's a good and the bad. Let's let's break it all down. Will, talk to me about this. We know yeah. the main ones. You know, the, the one with McLaurin where they said he wasn't on the line. The one on, on the fourth down on that drive where – um Samuel was hit and it was deflected even shoot even one before if you look at that I think I believe it was like the one of the first uh first or second fourth down where we go kind of deep to Samuel and he gets hit prior to the pass and there's no call on that and you look mm-hmm. at him looking up immediately like what are, what are we doing why is there no call so talk about it. Did, did the penalties cost us the game 100 percent penalties cost us the game the no call on Curtis Samuel cost us a chance to have the ball at the one-yard line, first down four plays. The penalty on Terry McLaurin took uh, six points off the board. The the OPI on Jahan Dotson took two points off the field. They absolutely cost us the game. But what also cost us the game, Charles Leno holding the holding play on Charles Leno, which made a first down run, second and 18, very next play we gave up the – the strip sack. What also cost us the game was a delay a game penalty on the very first drive, which boosts, yeah. which pushed us back out of field goal range, and Ron didn't feel comfortable. Which also cost the game was a false start. You know, we mm-hmm. had back to back penalties. We, we dropped back ten yards. So what I'm saying is, yes, the pen, the penalties that the refs called that took points off the board were absolutely impactful in the game, and they yeah. took eight points off the board plus a, a chance to get a conversion because we scored a touchdown. That's huge. Right. You can't take that away and say that didn't impact the game. But there were other plays out there that the commanders were responsible for that exactly. absolutely did derail drives and take them out of out of um, out of field goal range and put them in second and long situations that the Giants took advantage of. So collectively, all of the penalties cost the commanders the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you cannot just look at the obviously the most the most publicized 
penalties, the ones that came late, late in the game, because there were other ones that kind of led up to that point. And, and Nathan says it best: officials shouldn't need, shouldn't be in the conversation. We shouldn't have we shouldn't have given them that opportunity to correct the game. Yeah, no, I, look, because you said it, and this is why I'm going to say this: if you know our offense, you know we need every bit of help that we can get. So if we have these early penalties like we had, that's stopping drives. There are times when we were driving down the field like, boom, like that. We had the drive where we hit the 61-yarder, and then we immediately hit a, a 12-yarder to um, – what's his name? To, to Brian Robinson, and then get kicked back a little bit. We yeah. The one where we get the second and 18, we're pushed back, and then all of a sudden Kayvon Thibodeau comes around the corner. It's just our offense cannot afford to be behind the chains, right. and it's an issue. With that being said, yes, they missed those calls late. I will say this on the on the one with Terry McLaurin. In my opinion, I thought that was the right call. And I get Terry's point. We have the benefit of seeing on TV where you have the imaginary line. Terry does not. I played wide receiver for about two years. The first thing they taught me, before they said anything about catching the ball or anything about blocking or anything, they said, you go up to the line. You get in your stance and you immediately find the ref and you say, am I on the line? The ref will either point forward, which means you're on it, or he'll point back. Some refs will even be like, scoot up an inch or kind of tell you. Terry looked twice. If you look, he screwed it up at first. He took like a half a step and then he stopped there. It was the right call. I get that he was frustrated and because he asked him and you want him to kind of be like, yo, move all the way up. But – it's just hard because I've been in that position where you look down a line and you kind of know where that line is. So you kind of know, okay, let me sit here and get close enough. Now, what might have happened, and he talked about this after the game, he said, you know, I could have moved up a little bit more, but you don't know what the refs are going to call. If sometimes if your head is leaning like on the line, they'll call you for being having a false start. You know what I mean? So it was kind of trying to protect that situation, and he was kind of back. He could have easily moved up a little bit, but in that particular play, it was the right call. Now, the problem, the call that I had a problem with was if you go to the um, the play that we had, what was it, the two-point conversion on the Samuel, where they called the offensive pass interference, or was that the touchdown? That was yeah. a two-point conversion. That was a two-point conversion. Where they called the offensive pass interference. I guess like – that I, I thought that was a bogus call. In my opinion, if, if I'm telling Jahan Dotson to do anything, I'm saying at least, you know, make a play. Do something. Look to like where you're, you're running not, a route. Right. And because that's didn't. what they got him on. They got yeah. him on. I think, you know, I was listening to the same Logan Paulson um, pod where they said they got him because he looked like he made an offensive, you know, like a blocking posture. Like he and he didn't he didn't do anything to make it look like he was running the route. So for that, I, I definitely get it. But it just it didn't impact the play. He didn't touch the Dang guy it. first. The guy touched him first. So by that by that logic, then you're saying it, it wouldn't have mattered what Jahan did. If the guy touches him, you would have sat there and called that because it was a pick play when you break it down. Come on now. Did the I mean, DB did the DB covering Samuel get affected on it? No, he, not at he, all. he still made the he still made an attempt at, at playing defense, right? Right. That that's that's kind of my my problem with it too. Is yes, was it a pick play? Yes, yes, that was the design. Yeah. 
other teams do this too. You know, sometimes you do it successfully. Sometimes you don't. It's all about impact. Remember the same thing? What The reason why when, when you put the thing saying officials shouldn't be in the conversation, I went, huh? That's our whole argument against the, the Dallas game is how many calls <laughs> did go in our favor that were out there. But one of the arguments we had in that game was, was on the interception by Forrest in that game or Cam Curl, I can't remember, was the the penalty they called on our corner was not about, was not affecting the route where Dallas was trying to go with the, with oh, the yeah. ball. And that's my same thing with uh with you know both of those two calls there. It's like is the the pick play did Jahan prevent the the DB from making the play? No. And if he didn't, then doggone it, keep the risk, keep right. the flag in your pants. Then you know, right? right. The, the, let the players make the play. And right. then the, the Terry lineup, you know, it's like this. It's the same thing. It's like, well, did he check with you? And you said move up, and then he moved up. Okay, then did they run to his side and he blocked the guy? No. Did they throw no. a fade pattern to him and he had an extra step on him? No. So was that necessary? Right. That's that's my whole point of of like when you okay you want to call that stuff judgment? Well, your judgment sucked on that. Well, and you, and call, see, you know exactly. And see, and going back to that one, even with that, if you ask once and he says move up. Then you recheck. That's always what you're taught. Recheck with him. Okay. He looked over, and the second time, the ref didn't even nothing. No movement, no gesture, no anything. That, in my mind, would have been something to me to be like, okay, should I move up? What should I do? But then at the same time, it's like, if the ref is okay with it, I asked him. He told me to move up. I moved up. I should be good. Let me ask you this. So at that point, after Terry had moved up the first time, Mm. Jami Brown went into motion. Yeah. So if Terry had moved and moved forward, would we have been hit with a with an illegal shift penalty? Because we had two guys in motion at the same time. That's true too. Yeah. So could he move, or was did he have to be frozen? Well, and, and that's a good call. That's a, that's a good question because you you said, but even still, ah, he might have been moving up. I got I had to look back at it, but he might have been moving up right when the motion started, which is absolutely right. Because then it wouldn't even have mattered. That's what someone actually, someone kind of. That's what Logan Paulson was talking about his pod. Yeah. He was talking about about timing, and he's like, "What if, what if the 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 official was seeing two guys at the same time, and it wasn't where he was lined up? That's what he called." But he was like, "Well, I gotta call something. I gotta make up something because you all, you know, this was this was this whole play setup was not right." I don't know. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Uh, he said Terry, I think, had to be frozen. To me, Terry moved up. Um, it, yeah, yeah. But, but at the end of the day, like I said, like I like I preface this whole thing with, we have the benefit of seeing the field with the imaginary line to know exactly where the ball is 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 supposed to be. They don't have that now, mind right. you. The wide receivers do; they can look down the line. But to to the point he said at in the end the uh, post game, when you start to lean down and look like that. Your head sometimes goes over. Some refs will call that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I can understand why maybe he was taking precautions from that standpoint. But to your point, the, the motion could have been an issue as well. Like, I don't know. To me, and, and it was crazy, you see it. As soon as he snaps it, the flag goes up, and you see Terry like, dude, I just asked you, man. Like, like what's going on? And then he actually talked to him as he ran by. He was like, what What you told me I was good. He told, And he and the, I wonder what the refs said to him. 
You know, Terry wasn't really saying much about it. He said initially he said he was good, but when he ran past him to go talk to consult with the other refs, I thought that he asked him something, but I, I don't know what he what what exactly he said. But look, it, and that I, I don't think that one's on Terry because of the fact that if you if you if you told me you're good with the ref, I'm gonna go on that. And for it to be, it's the timing when right. that play when that messed everything up. That was frustrating to me. Right. Well, and you know, it's the other thing is if if Terry messed up, if if he if he didn't do things properly, how many times does he do things properly all throughout our season? It's like mm-hmm. you got to give the chance the guy a chance to make a mistake. Here's a little question for you: Does this bother you at all? <laughs> and I just so I just looked up what was happening. Heineke chugged a beer, smashed the can on his hand, and pointed to his Tom Wilson jersey. He's at the Caps game. Oh my goodness! Gracious. But I will say this: so part of me was like, "Whoa, we just had a bad loss. You're at a game. Tuesday is an off day, I believe. Mm-hmm. It usually is, mm-hmm. but we do have a short week. I think everyone plays on Saturday yeah. because of, of Christmas on Sunday. Um, so it's like uh, do, we're in a kind of a must-win situation. We're at a, we're at a Caps game here. It's like, come on, come on! You, you could go to any Caps game in January." Do you have to be there right now? Do you have to be there right now? It's like, it's like a catch twenty-two. Well, what? And so, so then, <laughs> and this is gonna bring back a this is gonna bring back an example of another quarterback, God rest his soul, uh, Dwayne Haskins, that during the middle of a potential playoff run was out at a strip club doing this. Now the two things are different, but at the same time, it's just like. We really got on him about his focus. Focus. We, you know, where were you? You need to be focused. You need to be, not to mention the whole COVID implications right. and everything like that. But we were like, dude, you know, you just lost the game and you were out here doing this. So to that, I'm like, yeah. But again, the guy's a human. The guy's taking a beating out there. I mean, Leonard Williams, Kayvon Thibodeau, Lawrence, Ojolari, those are not small dudes. And there was a couple times where they were landing, you know, full tilt on him. So, you want to sit here and say, yeah, go ahead. Do your thing, man. Like, right. I'm not going to pick on you that bad. Like, exactly. you've been doing pretty solid. For the season you had, you deserve a beer. Right. right. I don't know if I would publicize that mess. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> especially with the trash bag in the, in the plane. That, to me, I'm like, bro, do that. Just put it in a suitcase. Hide it. Do something. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> so, yo, but hey. Our, our, um, Let's get to it. Good? Let's yeah. get to it. We're already talking hey, about him. Let's go. We got to move right into this. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to finish the show with this. And I, I just think we have to ask this question. Look, we know in the last nine games, Taylor Heineke is 6-2-1. and one. He, he has played. Let's be honest. He struggled. He struggled. And there have been a couple games. You talk about the Colts game, maybe even the Falcons game, where but for a couple drives, we easily are saying, get him out of here. And the X factor in all of this is the fact that Taylor has been winning. The four-game stretch that he had a year ago definitely gave him some boost and kept him in down the stretch. Now, we didn't have you know, somebody like a Carson behind him, but at the same time, he's winning. He's getting the job done. We know about the energy of the team and things like that. He's opened up the deep ball. But do we? T- Will I? <laughs> Why are you gonna make me? I don't know, this? man. 
I'll, I'll do it. I'll go first. Yeah. I'll, I'll do it. Look, I, because I, I got to say, because, you know, I, I Heineke, he's been doing great. He's been moving it. He, he's been doing he's, – he's a shot in the arm. And especially those last two minutes, he gets the job done at times. Not every time, but he keeps us in there and he gives us a belief. But there is something we've said. I said it earlier and I said it to Ben right here. I said a couple weeks ago, Heineke has those four or five good games. Looks like – and that's – then it kind of comes. And, and I, I'm not even going to lie. I don't even know those four or five good games because a lot of those games he struggled. He struggled throughout the game and it was able to make a couple plays. Our defensive running game was able to help us help sustain a lead or, or keep us in the game. But realistically, playing San Francisco, who is – top five defense, if not the best defense in the league, then Cleveland, who has a top 10 defense and is a solid pass rush, then Dallas, who we already know, and then after that, potentially a Minnesota or um, or a, a Tampa, which we feel a little better about that, or a, um, or a San Francisco again. We need to have a threat, and I love what we saw by Taylor letting the ball loose, throwing deep a couple times. But can he sustain it? I don't know. My my suggestion, it's it's a very tricky situation because you can't just all of a sudden say, boop, you lost one game, put this guy in. You know what I mean? I think you start Taylor. I think you still start Taylor, but I think you kind of – you play the way you play. This this game has a potential to get away from us if we get hit a couple mistakes on our offense, and if they start really exploiting us with the with their um, with their uh, weapons. If this is, I do think you have to have that conversation. If Taylor comes in the game and throws and, we're, and it's not close, I think you have to have that conversation. You have a fresh Wentz there, but the problem that I have is if you have that conversation and you bring in Wentz. You better be ready to stick with them because you are very you just it's right in limbo. You you could very easily lose the team and then we're back to where we were a year ago. So I'm saying start Taylor Heineke, but I'm also saying, you know why we brought him here. This is a business. Explain it to him straight up. This is a business. You have been successful. You're six, two and one over the last nine weeks. That's great. We are. We have an opportunity to go to the playoffs. We can run it with you, and we're trusting you to do it. But we want to have the best opportunity to win. If things struggle, we will have both. Essentially, both guys are going to be running first team reps. And let's. We'll give you the nod, but uh, beware. Just be aware. So, what are you thinking, man? So you're saying Taylor starts Sunday. I'm saying start Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Did you put this up? I was going to put up Nathan to okay. my click. Yeah, yeah. That's Nathan. So Nathan says you put up Carson. Yeah. So here's the deal. This is what we're going up against the next three weeks. You got San Francisco with the dominating defense. Yep. You've got Cleveland with a heck of a defense and a heck of a pass rush and Miles Garrett. And you have Dallas, Michael Parsons, and their and their their front four. Yeah. Do we have the offensive line? Hmm. <laughs> to be successful against those if you have a statue back there. Okay. Yeah. No, right. we don't. Right. Right. <laughs> but we also didn't bring in 
another quarterback because we felt that Heineke could take us to the promised land either. Right. So it's it's a tough situation because Heineke, if we would not have, um, you know, we would have named you the starter, but we went out and got somebody who can do what you can't do. There it is. So on Sunday, we go with Taylor Heineke. You yeah. give him another chance. He had one bad game. And they kept saying, as long as you keep winning. Well, we lose to San Francisco, which I, th- I think we're going to. Now he's lost two in a row. You're getting to the point now where at that point, Detroit, if they win, will have leapfrogged us in the playoffs. Yeah. And we're down to the final playoff spot. And honestly, Sean, at that point, seven seed, I don't, I don't really care. Yeah. Give, bring back Carson Wentz. Give him a chance. Give him two games. See if he's a redemption pl- project there. See if he has a chance to say, "Hey guys, you need to you need to pick up my option for next year, or we need to we need to have a negotiate something else to let me go because I can do this." But they better have a game plan that Scott Turner's got to be perfect. If yeah, you put him in. You gotta feature the running game, and you better you better have the tight ends helping a block, and you better call quick passing plays. Yep. Because he's a statue back there. So yep. this will be – I think it's too early to say yet. But so you go with Heineke, and if we lose on Sunday, he's now lost two in a row. As Ben said, the magic is kind of fading away just like it did last year. The yeah. So then you look to bring in Wentz again. But for, for right now, you go back to Heineke. I think you have to. I think you have to because just like we we've all been talking about, we want to see – what we have, we want to make sure, see if Carson can do this with a running game. Do you want to see what you have in Heineke to say, this is it. This is where we go. Like, can you do it? And it's going to be interesting. Um, <laughs> Nate said, Taylor reminds me of Dan Marino's backup. Scott Mitchell? <laughs> I, I was convinced he was going to be great. Scott Mitchell was great oh. with, the, with the Dolphins. He was, he was, he was great, man. When he had who Herman Moore, Brett Perryman, and obviously Barry Sanders, Johnny Morton for those still, lions. He, man. he was terrible with them. <laughs> terrible. Yeah. He said uh, a redemption project. Yeah. Wow. Who, who Carson? Yeah. He's yeah. yeah. I, I don't think Nathan likes Carson. I don't think, but then he also said to put him in. So I don't, I don't understand that. I, yeah. I think we've said it before is, is my thing with, with Carson is the, the offensive philosophy was not the same as it is. With with Heineke, we yeah. did not feature running the running the ball as much. We did not feature some of the same plays. It's like I'd love to see him get a chance with that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because honestly, yeah. man, we're at the point where you know, with this, you know, I, I want to play Minnesota in the playoffs. I'll say that. I'll be completely mm. honest. If I want to play Minnesota, because I know we can beat Minnesota, they are a fraud. Go but ahead. if you go up against San Francisco, if you go up against Dallas, I mean, it's like. We're just hanging on for one more week, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Well, no, let's, no, let's... no. Wait, if we no, we, yeah, because we can't get that fifth seed anymore. Because I was about to say, if we get the fifth seed, we could potentially play the winner of the NFC South, which I feel confident in that game. Yeah, that's true. Yes, yeah, yeah but, absolutely. Six and seventh, yeah. yeah. But I don't know if we can get the fifth seed unless Dallas basically loses out. No. I don't think we can get no, that, I think they so. said that the Giants would get that, and then they would have to go play San Francisco as of right now. Right. Which, yeah, I mean, that's worse. That, I mean, wouldn't that be so funny if we get in and get the better of the two games because right. of that? <laughs> Dust our luck. He said, I'm a fan of Carson. He's just been scapegoated every team he's been on so far. Yeah. I I don't th- – but I think this season Carson hasn't done what he needs to do to shut up the uh, Nathan Rosarios in the world. 
that said yeah, he's done. Nicholas, yeah. Nicholas, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm butchering names here. <laughs> Yo, but uh, you're right though, but because that that's my problem. And look, there is there is uh, a you know there is a school thought that says, hey, let's see what he's like with a running game. Maybe things will be different if he has a two-headed monster with Gibson and Brian Robinson. Who knows? Um, but prior to that, he's and it's not even stats wise, because like we said, up until this game, you know, he was Carson Wentz was still leading our team in passing yards. You know what I mean? Like, so he was putting up numbers, but there's little things that he's that he's not doing. Talk about that mobility in the backfield. We we need to with our line, we need to have a quarterback that is not only mobile, but is not afraid to run. Taylor ain't afraid to run at all. He'll get out there and he'll he'll start diving forward and and you know uh, John Elway in it get you know trying to get that extra yard. He'll do that. Carson won't do that. And that going back to our conversation about sports psychology, that is the prime example of somebody that just has not been able to get it back mentally, or it's just not showing on the field. Yeah. Yeah, and Anthony, I'm with you. This is this is the argument that Sean and I keep saying. It's like, yeah, it's just it just gives you that little bit of like, can we just can we just see? Can we see one yeah. more time? I mean, but, come I mean, on. but we, we've given he, Heineke over 30 starts. Like, come on, oh, can, I agree. We, can we give Carson two more? I agree, but even even in, even in the comment, like you're saying with uh, uh, an offensive the offense that can stay healthy, we don't have that. You know, we've proven that we're on what a third string tight uh, center. Our tight ends have been, you know, you know, Logan Thomas, we talk about that ACL. He he looks like he's coming back from an ACL. He doesn't look great. Bates has been what Bates has been, a good blocker and good for a catch or two in a game, if that. And then our, the total bust, at least right now, is, is um, Cole, Cole Turner, the tight end, mm-hmm. the other guy. So we don't have healthy guys. We don't have – tight ends are guys that are playing fully up to their par. So it's, I don't, it's almost like, you know, you're kind of, it's a recipe to fail for Carson. If you bring him in, you know what I mean? But, but Sean and I were not one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and the other thing with, with, with Carson is you've already, he has not, he won't play the 70%. So we are not losing our second round pick. We're giving them our third round pick. And there's a chance that we'll get the compensatory pick from Brandon Sheriff signing. So we will get a third round pick in the draft. Right. Right. And, and look, in certain, in certain aspects of this whole situation, you have to look at like certain facts. Fact of the matter is Taylor Heineke has played five years in this system. He knows the system. Well, even at, Carson, even if Carson had been at his level that he was playing out of North Dakota State, he still does not know the system as well as Heineke does. So that's why Heineke is able to still kind of thrive in the system because he knows it. So Carson was already playing from behind. You know what I mean? So Carson, regardless, is going to need time to get really acclimated with the system. We're talking about potentially an entire season. And then and then you're adding in injuries and and you know certain players not doing x y and z and then maybe getting behind the chains or it, there's a lot of other things coming in but yeah i i, I definitely think that it will i would like i would like to see what he can do with our running game i i would too honestly i'm not wishing for injury for taylor but i would love to see what carson can do with how things are going maybe he does better um 
especially with our defense. That's the other thing. Our defense wasn't playing great earlier in the year. Our defense has been playing very solid as of late. So, hey, we're talking about Carson playing with potentially an entirely different team uh, with the exception of maybe the O-line. So, yeah. we'll see. You know, we'll never know. Never know. All right, All right. ladies. And, yeah, let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you being here with us on a special Washington football weekly post-game recap. We didn't get the W, ladies and gentlemen, and no, we're not hiding. <laughs> you see what it is? We just, Let's get we just had to take some time to, to right. <laughs> calm down. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let's get it. Yo, but we will be back with you Wednesday night at 8 o'clock to re- to – further dive into this game and then also preview next week and also get more view in on the conversation. Is it Taylor? Is it Carson going forward? What are your thoughts? And let's see where your heads are at. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is this part one. Uh, are you guys? It's gotta be. Say, yeah. We're yeah, definitely back. On this. Yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely have more figure to what say we'll talk about this. now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we try to dive deeper into this game. It's going to be interesting. Uh, but we're definitely, definitely trying to move forward. Uh, oh, can't wait. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, definitely stick back with us. You are going to want to see what happens. Tune in tomorrow night as well. Let's talk football. The roundtable myself. I will be on there for Nicholas Rosario with Delilah Crespo and Anthony Handy. And we'll also have special guests on Dallas Cowboys fan. My guy, Jared Harmon, to talk about. The game of the week, the Cowboys versus the Eagles. Who's going to play? Who's not going to play? Yes, it's a game I, of the week now. That's not even it's a round table. I, I got to talk about it. I want to bring him on so he can talk about it. Maybe I, I can I'm give him a chat. You got Garrett with Gardner Minshew playing in that game. How's that game of the week now? Oh, he's definitely in now, right? Hurts is out. Yeah, right? Hurts is out. With injury? Yeah, he hurt or, his shoulder. Or, oh. I gotta, I gotta adjust my fantasy team. That Game team's in playoffs. Week. We're my only. Yeah, ones. wait. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm in the the Let's Talk Football one. Jalen Hurts is killing it for me. Thank you. That's yeah. a reminder. I gotta play Tua. Right. Not a bad <laughs> consolation prize. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, look. He says we have to talk about the accident waiting to happen. Oh yeah, Dallas is definitely an accident waiting to happen. So yeah, definitely tune in for that and see what we got going on, and then also. Does that mean good luck? Good luck. <laughs> Might have to preview that one. I want to see that. I'm going to talk about a little fantasy. Actually, I don't want to talk about that much this year. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is we, the post game. Way longer than I thought, man. I thought we were going to talk like 30 minutes. We got an right. hour and a half in. How did this happen? <laughs> yo, hey, yo, once we. What are we going to talk about on Wednesday? Right. I had a lot to say today because definitely we didn't go on with Janae. So I was ready. I was like, oh, snap. So. All my yeah. notes were on this. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, so definitely tune in Wednesday. We'll be back with you. We appreciate you stopping by and joining us. Myself, Mr. Sean Spencer. My guy over there, Mr. Will Kramer. We're going to take you out the way we always do. Spotlight some of the uh, videos and things that we have in the Let's Talk football community. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Peace. Uh, left hand up. Thank <laughs> you.